Individual therapy can be such a rewarding process. Unfortunately, a lot of people reject it because they're afraid of the unknown. I am Naya B, therapist, author, speaker, educator, and influencer, and I welcome you to do individual therapy with me. Take this journey and listen as unfiltered and unscripted brave souls heal and share their stuck points. My hope is that someone listening can relate to their stories and get a perspective on how real therapy takes place. Who knows? Maybe one day decide to get some therapy of their own. But when you do, though, just come do it with me, Naya B. Hey everybody, welcome to the season finale of Doing It With Naya B. I'm your host, Naya B. I'm a licensed clinician and therapist and author and all that good stuff in the state of Missouri. And I wanted this session to be really special because, you know, Mother's Day just passed. It is Mental Health Awareness Month. And for those of you who don't know me or haven't read my books, I was a teen mom. So my special guest today is my son, Amir. You guys know him as Amir. So I wanted to, you know, just kind of have a moment where he and I could dialogue. This is our first conversation about his experiences with me as a young mom. And, um, you know, sometimes as parents, we think that we're perfect and that we do everything right or the correct way. Or we wait for those moments for our kids to get grown so that we can get their perspective on how we did. And this is not necessarily a session to um, critique my parenting or even critique his position as my son. I think it's just most importantly, a a conversation that should have happened, um, you know, a long time ago, because I want to make sure that he grows up and has a good sense of mental health, or at least, you know, be able to have good coping skills. And we know that a lot of those things starts with our parents. So I guess technically I'm on the hot seat or not. How you doing, Amir? I'm good. Uh, I'm doing good. I'm just chilling in my apartment. And yeah, I got up early this morning, right? So I got up early this morning because I'm like, I got to get a little stuff for the apartment, a little knickknacks. So I, I went to like Target. I went to Walmart. I'm adulting. I'm hitting it hard. Like I'm, <laughs> I'm killing it today. <laughs> How does it feel to be an adult technically? I mean, cause you're 24 now, you'll be 25 this year. Um, how does that feel? It's cool. I like, uh, I like the independence more than anything. And it's just neat. It's like so much that I'm learning. And I think that's, that's something that I guess I would say that's something that I really started to look at, um, gleefully is the fact that I, I could grow and learn at my own pace now. And yeah, so that's, you know, it's good <laughs> to answer your did question. You, did you see yourself? Um, did you have any fears about getting to this point in your life? No, no, absolutely not. I've always like, I, I, as a kid, I was like, man, I can't wait till I'm old. I can't wait. Like I can't wait. You know, so like I, I had no fears. I think maybe for split seconds, I'd be like, oh, this is a new venture. You know, this is something that's kind of scary because it's like I, I it's unknown and it's foreign to me. But then like I get there and I'm like, ah, OK, so th- this isn't bad. You know, this is life. This is how you traverse it. You know, so maybe for like a split second, I, you know, you have trepidations. But for me, I just I've always been ready for this. and I'm always wanting more. So being ready for adulthood, I think, is, is a definitely a skill that a lot of people don't really get to master or maybe a privilege that a lot of people don't get to master. And 
you know, and it's one of those things that people don't necessarily sit back and and think about like, wow, this is this is a true blessing to be able to get out here and take on the world, you know, and handle some of the things that go on in the world. What do you think has helped you and contributed to that for you? Because you, you know, you got some skills somewhere, sir. Uh, are you want me to be like, oh, my mom, you know, <laughs> <laughs> is that what you want? I don't want you um, to say anything. I want you to be honest about the lessons that you learned. What? Because I think life lessons come from all different places. Like I know I was not your only influence. Right. So I do want to know from your perspective, what helped you feel courageous about taking on life? What helped you get to this point? So I'll, I'll say this. I think there's a lot of different factors that go into becoming an adult and, and emerging adulthood. And I think one factor that you did teach me really early on was how to read people. And like, that's something that I feel like is, is very pivotal, uh, very pivotal in becoming an adult because as we grow up, you know, your relationships with people get a lot stronger and you depend on those relationships more. Not necessarily for like an economic standpoint, but for like an emotional standpoint, right? You need people to lean on. And I think that you taught me very early how to weed out um, the, the phoniness and the fakeness within people. So I will give you that to your credit. In terms of being prepared for adulthood, I don't think you can really coach anybody to be prepared for adulthood. I think that it's just something that, you know, it's like throwing somebody, uh, throwing a kid in the deep end and trying to see if they can swim. Right. It's one of those kind of things, because there are still people that are older than me that still aren't ready for adulthood. And they're like in their 30s, late 20s, you know, and it's like, yo, you don't have that time to really be like, okay. Uh, I could just chill and figure it out. No, you know, life passes you by fast. You got to go, 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 you know. Mm-hmm. For me, I think my freshman year of college and being alone because I kind of I isolated myself. And it was because I at the same time, I didn't like my environment. And at the same time, it's like you feel you're a change, you know, a metamorphosis is going on and you have to kind of engage that change at your own way. And I kind of took the time I needed to mentally prepare myself for certain things. And then once I was ready, I came out my shell, you know, and, and then started moving. And I think the, I think, the, like you said, there's a lot of factors that lead into being prepared for adulthood. I, for the most part, think there's nothing you could say to be like, yo, this is how you do it. Right. I I think for the most part, there's nothing you can say to somebody and be like, look, this is how you prepare. I think that it's very different for all individuals. And for me, it a lot of it kind of came from um, learning within myself. Okay, what were some of the most valuable core beliefs or life lessons that you learned? as you, you know, as you evolved? Well, the, the big one that I, I just said, I said that you kind of taught me was the reading people. You know, that's a, that's a core life lesson because as much as we can be like, yo, I could do it myself. 
we are humans. We are naturally animals that want to communicate. You know what I'm saying? We're, we're beings that need that companionship. That's what makes us human. We can't traverse this world on our own. As they say, we are social animals. So I think learning to read people was a, was a very big thing. And that's a life lesson that a lot of people, like we're still learning, right? Cause you know, our modes of communication continue to change. And I think learning through reading people and, and getting where you fit in, those are kind of some life lessons. Um, I would say another life lesson is to be humble. You know, I, I think that's, um, being humble is something I'm still trying to, I'm still learning. I was about to say, you think you humble? I think I'm humbled. I, I would say I'm humbled. <laughs> I, I, I think I, you're a little privileged, honestly. I'm not, I don't think I'm privileged at all. I, I think I, you're I think a little I'm, privileged. I think I'm, I think I'm pretty humble. You know, I, I think I say that whether it be through my work ethic or or what have you, I think I'm pretty humble. You work with me and and you actually see me in my my element like it's it's totally different, you know um, i would I would say I'm pretty humble. I would say there's some things that I have standards for, you know that and and that just comes from me going, okay, well, I don't I, you know from past experience not wanting to do certain things again. And then there's other, I, to a certain extent, I am privileged. I think humble and privilegedness kind of exists on the spectrum. You, you, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think that. Do you think I'm humble? No, no. <laughs> what? No. No, why? Why would you say that? So you no. mean to tell me that since childhood, yeah. since your childhood, you have not witnessed humility in your mom. No, (laughs) you you're just like me. And I say that because not as a. So, you know, the opposite of humility is is pride. Right. Like, so are you trying to say that I've had too much pride or I think I think in a lot of areas based on your standards, you've definitely had a lot of pride. You definitely have a lot of pride because you're like, these are my standards. I ain't breaking them. You know, I ain't breaking them. I feel like now that you put it in the context of humility is the opposite of pride. I think humility is a lot more so, Okay, let's traverse this obstacle and both get in where we fit in. You know what I mean? And if if that's the case, then I'm not humble. Then I take back what I said. I'm not humble. If if like because, hey, I got a lot of pride myself, but I, I kind of. I thought we were talking about humble as in like, oh, you know, I'm I'm grateful, you know, and well, no, humility is the the ability to just kind of take yourself yourself off of a pedestal for a moment, so that other people can kind of have their moment, so that other people can you know um, express their talents and their skills, and and being able to say, you know what, I that's not my that's not my forte, that's not me, I'm not. I, that ain't that ain't it, you know. Being able to 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 ask for help, being able to say I need this, it comes with a sense of vulnerability. Mm. Okay, so let me let me see. Look, 
you should have led with that because now we got to edit all this stuff out because now it sounds like neither of us know exactly what we're talking about. No, I'm just <laughs> but <laughs> speak for yourself, sir. <laughs> there goes that pride again. Speak for yourself. Let me, no, let me, but go let ahead. Let me just say this. I think I am. I show humility in certain situations and I'm very prideful in other situations. I think from a working standpoint and from a work ethic standpoint, um, if I'm working with people, I really try to observe everybody's strength in the room and I know what I'm not good at and I can't be good at everything. You know, nobody's perfect. So recognizing that, I try to take a step back and yeah, I do try to, I do try to propel people and let people have their moment. You know, I do. I absolutely do. I would say I'm, uh, when it comes to working with others, I, I have a lot of humility in that sense. Um, the asking for help aspect. No, 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 no. I see that's, that's the one aspect where I'm not, I'm not very good at. I'm not humble at. And I think it comes you from for help. I don't ask you for help. I really don't. I'm you, do. you. When? When did I ask you for help last? You asked me for help. You haven't asked me lately, but you you asked your mom for some help. Mom, can you look over this? Can you look over that? Can you do like it? Not help does not necessarily mean financial help. Help can be guidance. Help can be, you know, oh, a, a, a okay. listening yeah. ear. You know, help can be in all different forms. But you do ask for help. Whether it's can you do this? Can you do that? Can you do my hair? Can you do like so? Stop. Okay. Yeah. Right. Okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's fair. That's fair. I'm over here thinking like big life decisions, right? Like big, huge life decisions. But but there was a time in life where those big life decisions, you know, you needed that help. You didn't get here by yourself. And true. True. So I guess so. Then you can't say that I'm not you. You know, humble. Or I didn't or, say that you weren't humble. I asked you if you thought I was, and you said <laughs> no. And I think I am humble. Look, I shop at Aldi's. I'm humble. So oh, don't, okay. don't do that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. Well, you know, I think. What am I? When it comes to you, I think you have. You're like a blend of humble and pride. You know, I would say that I will very I will very much say you're a blend of humility and pride. Um, and I don't you know, I I can't tell you about yourself. So that but that's from an outsider looking in perspective. But. Well, you were you you spent the majority, of course, of your life with me. I think there's a level of growing up together that you and I kind of did. Right. Even as even as your mom, you know, I sometimes I probably felt like the big sister and and less of a mom, but I want you to be able to just kind of speak to that because people have this stigma that teen parents are a certain way, right? They Mm -hmm. are going to, I mean, we, we see the show, right? And I think sometimes that show gives teen parenting either a glorified position or a position that definitely is not the standard, right? So, what was your perspective of being raised technically by a child? I mean, I was 16. Um, I want to kind of touch on what you said a little bit about the the exposure it's getting on social media and stuff like that. And I just want to say the exposure it's getting is not helpful and it's not healthy. You know what I mean? Like it's it gives a false sensibility to uh, young women like, hey, if if you are 16 and pregnant, if you are a young mom, 
then you're bound to be a reality star and this is how it's going to be for you, right? Like you're going to get all this help and all this stuff. And that's far from the case, you know? Um, I saw a lot of you struggling, you know, uh, as a 16-year-old young parent you know i saw a lot of you struggling and as i'm coming upon my 20s i look back and i'm just like how you know like how how did you even manage at 20 years old for one i i like i was not mentally mature at at the age of 20 i was not mentally mature to even be prepared for parenting or or adulthood and would you say that you weren't either or how do you feel about like <laughs> um you know i think part of it is you got to get ready whether you're ready or not you got to get ready and i had a choice to make you know because it was it was on me and i knew that the life that i lived on the south side of Chicago was not the life that I wanted you to live or even the life that we were exposed to um, when we moved out to Harvey. Like, I did not want that for you. Um, that's all I knew, right? So I was like, let me figure out what my talents and my skills are because that's going to be my ticket out of here. That's going to be my ticket. Out. Actually, you were my ticket out of there because if I had not had you, I wouldn't have been emancipated as a minor. And that that afforded me the ability to go to school without parental help, without parental guidance. I truly do this on my own. So like legally, I was an adult by the age of 16 in which I was able to sign my own contracts and get my own leases and do all those things. I needed that to happen so that I could be able to give you somewhat of a childhood without me having to depend on the resources that I felt contributed to my trauma, right? So um, I think leaving school, I mean, leaving, leaving Chicago and then going away uh, definitely helped speed that process up. So even though I wasn't emotionally um, able to handle a lot, like it showed in my grades, like leaving, leaving Chicago and then going to school and you were two by that time. Right. So I struggled like big time, not just financially, but even emotionally, like there was a lot of depression. There was a lot of isolation and I failed all my courses. Um, it just wasn't happening the way that I had anticipated or the way that I thought it would. But what I will say is giving up was not an option. That's the only way I got better. I had to keep going. I had to ask for help. I had to tell people that I was struggling. I had to say, hey, I'm failing this course. I don't know what the hell I'm doing. I had to do that, though, in order to mature and get ready. So by the time I was 20 and you were four, I, yeah, I had I had kept a job. I was, you know, trying to teach you viable lessons. I know you probably hated the way you dressed, but I was so big on like you need to look like, you know, professional. You need to look like you came from a good mom. Like that's why I kept your hair low. Like I just had all these and they probably weren't the most mature thinking, you know, because I was so on the opposite end of making sure you were safe that I wanted I wanted to shield you from anything that looked remotely hood or prison worthy, if that makes sense. Right. So I was on this extreme because I was out there and in that life and fighting and getting into it. And, you know, and I was like, I don't want people to look at my son and think he'll look up. 
Oh, he ghetto. Oh, he this. He's that. He's, you know. So I had this issue with silly stuff like you growing out your hair or you getting dirty outside or you playing rough or. So I think there was some immaturity there with me not allowing you to be a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't allow you to be a kid. I have this like this little two, three, four year old walking around like a little grown man. And, you know, I didn't do baby talk with you. I didn't do all that. I mean, you know, you was you was there, you know. And so I think there was a level of resentment, too, that came with that. Like, dang, I, I can't do any of this. I got to wear these vests and these these button up shirts and these khakis and I'm four, I'm five, you know, and I'm just like, I don't want my kids to be confused, you know, at any by any means with the street, the hood that, you know, everything that I came from. I was just like, I don't want it for my child. I don't want it. And I think that that part was where I wasn't really mature, where I wasn't really um, where I needed to be, you know, so as time went on. And I started to see the not so much as negative effects, but I started to see how it how it affected your self-esteem a little bit. And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think not allowing you to be who you were supposed to be contributed a lot to just the desires to isolate or stay in your room or not be around people or not do because you kind of felt judged constantly. Like if I do the wrong thing, someone's going to say something. If I say the wrong thing, my mom's going to be like, what? And, you know, you and your brother think I'm Rochelle from Everybody Hates Chris. (laughs) So, you know, (laughs) you know, so there was. Yeah. But, you know, I think you probably can speak to it better because I'm I'm looking at it from a parental standpoint now in hindsight, because, you know, they say hindsight is 2020. Right. And now that I'm older and you're older, and then I'm looking at what I'm doing with your brother, I'm like, okay, there was no manual on this. And I know I parented a lot with my anxiety and my fears. Um, I I don't know, but sometimes I think it benefited you. It it helped you, you know, um, have that balance, but you know, I don't know. That's, that's, that's why I said, this is, this is your perception. I want to know what you think about my journey because I know what I did, but I want to know how it affected you. I think, um, I think you're spot on the money, you know, like I think a lot of the standards that were required or, or that I should have upheld really did make me feel some type of way, you know, like I just wanted to to just be myself in my little pocket, you know, of the house. And, and that was my room for me. So, yeah, I, I did isolate and I did uh, keep to myself because I didn't want to be judged. You know, I didn't want to. Uh, I, I just, you know, a part of me felt like. Um, like I like I really wasn't wanted around you know, a part of me felt that way based on the treatment. And so I was like, okay, well, you know, I'll just, I'll just be up in here, man, keeping to myself. And, and that's just how it'll be. And to me, uh, you know, it, there, there are like underlying positives. I would say that I was mature from, from a very young age, like, I saw the world a lot differently and I've had years to, um, sit here and and look at the world and ponder on it and think about stuff like think about presentation think about representation because you weren't just saying all this stuff in vain you were teaching 
societal lessons, you know, uh, along with this stuff. And for me as a kid, yeah, I didn't get to be a kid, but on the inverse side, I was paying attention to a lot of stuff that people weren't paying attention to. And um, so, yeah, you know, it's a, it's, that's exactly, it's exactly how you said it was. It's exactly how you said it was. And, you know, now that I'm adult, now I feel like I get to be a kid, man. Like I get to do all the stuff that I didn't get to do. I get to play rough. I get to go on the playground and swing. No, I'm just kidding. I, <laughs> look, you, you know, and I me both. To- I get the childhood because look, what you say when you come to visit, I'm not even at home. You're like, wait, mom, where you For at? Real? Where you at? I'm gone, <laughs> sir. I'm gone. <laughs> For real. I'd be like, yo, I'm gonna surprise my mom and come down. Ain't nobody home. I'm locked out the house. <laughs> mama got a life too empty nester here i am out i'm out don't be waiting on me that's why i told you when you start having kids you better call a month in advance hey we coming (laughs) we gonna i I might be home i might not i don't know i'll be locked out of the house i'll be in debo's pigeon coop Only person I wanted to I, I wanted to ask you, you know, because there's this negative stereotype about two parent households and, and families. And I look at just like who you are and, and how much you've worked and how much you invest. And I look at the routine, some of the routines, you know, you probably resent because I wouldn't let you do the video games and stuff during the week. And you're going to do it on the weekend. But I think that that's disciplined you when it comes to how you study and how you um, get things done and play later, like you work hard now and play later. But there's also a stigma that says that black boys particularly don't really do well with discipline when they're when there's not a man in the house and I want to know like what your perspective of that is now that you are growing into this young man yourself so from the perspective of a black man uh I can see that statistic being very true And I say that from just looking at other people's relationships when they don't have a father in the household, you know, in my experience with living with you, I did not like the discipline, but who likes discipline? You know what I mean? Like, I didn't like the discipline, but who likes discipline? Either way, there wasn't any resentment toward you for there being a one parent household. Right. There wasn't because and I say this because I did have men in my life who are those father figures, you know, Um, my grandpa on my dad's side. I always like even if we lived apart, I worship that man like still to this day. I worship my grandfather like he's my hero, you know, your dad. Like, just to me, it's a weird sensation of like, okay, I'm not seeing these people all the time, but they're like legends to me, right? They're like, like these figures that I look up to, you know, like how we look up to like Dr. King is how I look up to my grandfathers on both my mom and my dad's side, because the stories I've heard are just so interesting and powerful. And even on my my dad's side, I got to spend a lot of time with my grandfather during like the summer or whatever. So I saw him be a man firsthand. And to me, his old school approach to things kind of stuck out. And then, you know, that's just that's just how I saw it. Right. I didn't 
need a, a dad in the house. To me, the only reason why uh, uh, having a having a two parent household was cool was because I'd go to school and all my kid my friends and my classmates had two parents households. You know, they had their mom and their dads there, uh, and so I I felt like oh wow they have that and I don't I feel weird. You know, I feel like an outsider or in that sense. But it was never like, oh, my God, my dad's not here. I hate my mom. Like, you know, because coming up from having everything explained as to why stuff was the way it was, like, I, I recognized very early, that's not my mom's fault. You know, like, it's not my mom's fault that, that she's parenting me by herself. It isn't. It just isn't. And it would be unfair to be like, oh, this is your fault. I never I never blamed you. Never, never did it come across my mind like, oh, this is my mom's fault that she um, is parenting me by herself. And I think you did your best to facilitate uh, uh, having, you know, other men take up the role as father figure. And you did your best, you know, but there's only so much you can do. You know what I'm saying? So. Mm -hmm. I don't think I had a problem with any of the discipline or, or anything like that because I didn't have a father in the household. I think that it just, I just had to look elsewhere for those lessons. Yeah. How was it for you when I finally got married and, um, you know, had your little brother because now your, your world has kind of shifted again. I mean, we had our non-traditional kind of family sense where it was me and cousins, auntie, you know, that type of thing. But now there is a man in the house and now you're about to have a sibling after 12 years almost. So how was that transition? Because I think sometimes we discount the fact that, and I'm gonna say we as in parents, we discount the fact that there's been this child who's been the only child all this time. And then here's a new venture, a new child coming into play. And so that, that child that's been there for all those years, they have feelings, thoughts, ideas too. And I just want you to kind of speak to that because you had two new members, you know, that came into play. So <laughs> what was that like for you? Cause I'm sure you felt like, dang, my house is invaded. Um, but speak to that for me for a minute. Man, I'll tell you what, I remember, and it's so funny, I look back on this. I remember when I was like 10 or 11, and you had told me you were pregnant with Darren, and I was like, for real? Like, can we put this, like, come on. I was like, come on, mom, quit playing. Like, put this whole thing behind you, come on. <laughs> like. <laughs> Not put the whole thing behind me, Okay. <laughs> Like, come on, this whole pregnancy business. Let's get come on. What are you talking? What are you talking about? So to me, I I didn't like it at first because I was so used to it just being us and I was comfortable, you know, at that point in my life. You know, I'm like, as a kid, you get comfortable with, with your circumstance. And I was really comfortable. Um I, I thought my brother's dad was pretty it was a pretty cool dude. And I and he was he's made me laugh. He was fun, but I just it was a new, like you said, a new venture. And, and most kids, they're not going to be comfortable with something new like that. So, yeah, it, it took some adjusting to get to. And, and it took some growing to really get into. And, and I don't think I really appreciated having a brother until, like, after I left home. 
You know, like I, I don't think I really appreciated Darren until after I, I left home. And for me, that's kind of something um, I don't know. It's, it's something I look back on. I'm like, man, you know, as a as a young person, as a kid, you kind of are so involved in your head and what you want and your needs that you don't just stop and smell the roses, you know, like. I don't get me wrong. Like I I've always loved my brother. I've always loved uh, my family, but you know, you get so involved in, okay, this is what I want from life. And this is what I, what I feel I need that you don't think about the other people around you, you know? And so I definitely, it took some getting used to. Okay. Well, I'm, it sounds like at this point, you know, because he's 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 a teenager now. So it sounds like at this point, there's there's some value there. You know, I think you're looking at because I think at this point, when you look at where he's at, you can remember where you were, you know, at mm-hmm. that age and what was going on with you during that time. And um, and I think that that kind of helps bridge that gap a little bit or give that sense of understanding because you knew what you needed. And you're like, he has a big brother. So now you realize, like, I got to I got to step up and make sure I'm an influence in in his life, because if something happens to her, we all we got, you know, and we got to be able to bridge that gap. And so I I see that happening between the two of you. And it it warms my heart as a mom. I'm just going to say, you know, it really does warms my heart, you know. But yeah, I'm really grateful uh, for the both of you, actually, in both of those experiences, because Lord knows I was not interested in having any more kids. I want to go back to... What you said, you you mentioned earlier that there was a time where you felt like you just weren't uh, wanted around. And I know I joke a lot and talk about, you know, how I just don't want kids and didn't want kids. And honestly, I don't. I didn't. I did not. You know, I was not interested in being a mom, but I'm big on responsibility. Right. I'm big on handling my business and taking care of responsibility. If I do something, I make sure I just get it done and, and do it. And you know, while in my mind, I actually resented the the ability, just the process of being a mom like I did. Never knew, though, that you were able to pick up on that until now, until you said it. And it wasn't that I didn't want you around per se. I just didn't want the task of, you know, and I think that that's normal on some level for moms is that when we get to a point where we were like, man, fuck this kid. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that we get to that place. And there were times where I think I got to that place. I know I got to that place. I mean, because it does get hard with juggling school, work, you know, discipline, you know, and you look up and you're like, I am literally doing this by myself, you know, literally. And you, you can, I'm, I was conditioned, you know, to make that happen. It just had to happen. And who else was going to do it? You know, I think I resented the fact that I couldn't give you the traditional family that you saw your, your, your peers having at school. Like you didn't get the traditional, um, you know, grandparents, you didn't get the, you know, we did the best we could. And instead of me looking at me doing the best that I could, I was looking at what it could have been. You know, and sometimes when we're looking um, instead of looking at what we have, we can't appreciate the present. That's why I love the song Love Yours by J. Cole. Right. Because if you if you're not looking at what you have and you can't appreciate what you have, you're going to always resent it 
you're going to be always working against it. You're going to always be feeling like, oh my God, this could be better. This could be this. This could be. And then, you know, I'm a perfectionist. So, you know, I want to do stuff perfect the first time. Like, don't tell me do over, try again, 70%. What the hell is 70%? <laughs> I don't know what that is, you know? So there was a lot of 70%, 60%, 50%. Like, and I, re- I resented that because I'm like, well, if I didn't have to do this, I would have never got a 50%. I would have never got a 60%. I would have never got a 70%. So I kept pushing um, and it dawned on me. Like I knew how I felt growing up, right? And I said to myself, how do I want my kids to remember me when they're older? Do I want them to look back at me and be like, man, she's suck. Or do I want them to look and say, she did all right. She did all right. And so once I realized that you guys were going to grow up with your own brains and minds and thoughts and ideas and have an opinion about me, I was like, let me get my shit together. Let me let me start acting like I got some sense around here, you know, and stop making my kids feel like they're just guests in my household, even though you guys will always be guests in the household, you know, never really true members of the household. But, you know, I, I wanted that so that you would want to get out, so that you'd want to get your own independence. You want to take on the world. I never wanted you guys to get comfortable. I did not. That was one thing I always knew that I did not want for you guys to get comfortable. It scares me sometimes when I be asking your brother, like, where you going to school? He'd be like, wherever you live. I'd be like, oh, hell no. You know, but I realized, like... I'm like, I'm making him too comfortable. You getting too comfortable. You really think you're about to stay with me for the rest of your life? No, sir. So I, I've learned to do that a little bit more with tenderness. And that's what growing up did for me. I learned that my anxieties was what made me kind of hot-headed and mean and frustrated. And that's probably what made you feel like you weren't running wanted around because I was a shouter and because I had attitude and because I have, and it wasn't even about you. It really was not about you. So I truly apologize for making you feel like you weren't wanted. You know, I think I resented the role more so than just you and it had nothing to do with you. So I'm sorry for that piece. Truly, truly sorry. And I I hope that you know, as, as you've gotten older and we've kept developed more of a, um, you know, an adult kind of dynamic between us being able to communicate and talk and, and have this, that you, that you pick up on that. I think, uh, first I want to say to anybody that's listening, you know, we all got to understand, like now we are in a world where divorce rates are like 50%, like, 50% of all marriages end in divorce. Most people in the future will not be coming up in the nuclear household family life. You know, most people won't have a mom and a dad and grandparents that live down the street. So with that being said, just give people the best that you can give them from you. You know, like, don't worry about what's happening next door. Do what you can do. And I think that's a powerful message because everybody's family dynamic is different. You know, some people may portray themselves as that as that happy nuclear family, but they aren't actually living that. And it's it's a fantasy. It's a dream. Like it's not real. What's real is how you treat people and how you loved your loved ones while they're around, while they're doing what they can do. And that's what family is. And so. I really, I, I, I accept your apology and I appreciate it. And I recognize that 
you know, the, the nuclear family, that, that kind of thing, it's, it, it just is not real. And I, I think I realized that when I got here to like college, you know, they, college is, is so important, I think, because it's like, you're leaving your element and you're going somewhere else mm-hmm. and you're seeing everything, you know, talking to other people, understanding other people's backgrounds, getting to know where they come from. I realized like, man, nobody's really got a great family life wise, you know, nobody for real got a great family life wise. And I think everybody else, if we could all realize that and just come to terms with the fact that, you know, your ideal family life may not happen and that's okay, but just be the best that you can be and do the best that you can. And that's all that matters. Um, what was the question? <laughs> oh, Lord. You know, I think that you've just spit so many gems that we can just kind of tone it on in right there. So, um, I appreciate you for doing this and I appreciate your transparency and I appreciate this conversation. Like I, 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 yeah, I'm grateful. So thank you for that. I I think what I was going to say is that like there between me and you, there will, I I don't think that between, between our relationship, I think that a lot of, me feeling unwanted it's deep rooted you know what I'm saying it it comes from my childhood and it comes from you know me growing up and feeling that way and you know your childhood's powerful as you said so please forgive me if ever because you know I'm I'm I may not be the best son in the world you know but please forgive me if ever you feel um like you're unwanted because that is entirely unfair and it's far from the truth, you know, like it's not how I feel at all. It's just life, you know, (laughs) like life, it it, it is what it is, but you are very appreciated. You are wanted, you know, I've, I don't have any resentment towards you or my father, you know, everything is, it it made me the person who I am. And, And honestly, if I go back, I wouldn't change anything because it's just, what makes me who I am. So I want to thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm sorry if I rambled to your listeners. No, you're fine. I think my listeners enjoyed it. And I, I for one enjoyed it. I think this conversation was necessary. You know, we've, um, you know, like you said, there's no perfect family life and I've been your age before. And I know I've been in the point where I always thought that, Hey, I had all the answers. I knew everything. So I definitely ignore you a lot of times. I know you think I probably <laughs> don't, but I do. I'm like, okay, he's been, he's been, 20 something right now so he'll he'll be all right you know I've been there so I don't take it personal I think this is a part of your growth and a part of your journey and I think that every parent can account for you know that's have that has an adult child I think that most parents can attest to the fact that everyone has gone through that phase with their children to where they thought they knew it all and they had to give their child their space to figure it out. And I just realized, let me give him his space to figure it out because I'm maybe I'm hovering. Maybe my, my control tactics are kicking in. Let me step back. But I never took it personal because I felt like this was a journey that needed to happen. So I never take it personal when you, you know, when you be tripping or whatever, I'll be like, yeah, he, he'd be all right. I just give him his space and it's okay. Cause that's what, that's, that's the real stuff that families go through. You know, um, it's growth. It's your growth. It's your process. I had my time. I had my journey and I'm gonna go through it with your little brother. So I'm prepared to ignore him too. So it's okay. 
you know, I appreciate your apology, but you know, it's, I'm, I'm grateful. And I think that you have been, you know, you are an awesome young man. I'm proud of you. I am proud of your journey. Congratulations on getting your master's. Like I, I'm, I'm just so proud. I'm just excited. You know, your brother was like, how does it feel to have two successful sons? You have a, he think he a track star. He's like, you got a track star and you got a college grad. I'm like, boy, go sit down. Now, now hold on, hold on now. <laughs> If he's not on a box of Wheaties, he ain't no track star, all right? <laughs> he say he a track star. But I love his confidence. And that's what's important. I think that we as parents forget that our our job is to instill self-esteem and confidence. And with our lessons that we teach, it's supposed to boost self-esteem. It's supposed to boost confidence. It's not supposed to make you feel like crap or put you down or make you feel like you're worthless. It's supposed to teach. And that's one of the things that I always wanted to do with you and your brother was teach. Just teach. That's it. I never wanted you guys to feel like you were unwanted or like you weren't good enough or like you just sucked. I just I never wanted you guys to feel that way. If anything, I wanted you to learn from your mistakes and I wanted you to be able to get back on the horse, try again, no matter how much you felt like you didn't get it the first time. Right. Because nobody really gets it the first time. So, you know, I'm just grateful that we're at this place. So thank you so much. Appreciate you. All right, guys, if you want to check me out, you can follow me on Instagram at author underscore Naya underscore B. I am so grateful that you guys have survived season one of doing it with Naya B with me. Season two is going to be so dope. I have so much in store for you guys. Um, So, yeah, catch me on the flip side. Thanks.